dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian Collective. I am your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BurnsClan. Please be sure to follow at your own risk. And joining me as always is the founder of The Witness. Again, I also say, I've been saying this a lot, but he has another pocket square that looks super expensive. I did that just for you. This is for our YouTube audience. If you're watching on YouTube, (laughs) thank you so much. But Jamar got a very expensive looking like pocket square. It's polka dot. It's, It's nice, bro. It's nice. I'm well, sorry. I, I totally forgot. You. To, I just looked over there and I was like, yo, this, this <laughs> square is nice. Went totally off script as usual. That's good. Dude, That's this fine. is dope. That's dope. The man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check verified himself, Dr. Jamar Tisby. What's going on? Oh my goodness, bro. This is this is legendary. This is a first for Pass the Mic. What's a first for Pass the Mic? The three of us. Okay, yes, in this particular <laughs> way. <laughs> We've interviewed people before. Uh, uh, Listen, yeah. y'all know I'm big, you know home team when it comes to the witness. I'm big on home team, but I'm going to tell you the person that we have on today, no lie, no Cappadocia is, I think one of the most important prophetic voices in the church today. She just wrote an article on the witness BCC entitled to the pastors of the TikTok generation. Of course, I'm talking about Bria Perry. Bria, what's going on? Hello. Hello. Wow. Such, such big words for Little old me. Nah, don't now play. Now you know how I feel. Yeah, he does this every single episode. I do. Like, you are absolutely worthy. Thank you yes. for joining us today. Yes. Thank you for having me. I am so excited and honored to be here with you guys. So we always have this private joke with Bria about how she needs to write more and her voice needs to be seen more and heard more. And we need to hear more of her insights for the broader church. But I feel like it was the perfect time. It was a Kairos moment for her to release this article, which came out last week entitled again to the pastors of the TikTok generation that was talking specifically about the recent incident and the traumatizing video of Pastor Mike Todd in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Transformation Church rubbing saliva on his younger brother's face to, uh, to I guess, illustrate uh, that uh, Jesus what he said. rubs spit I on guess. the blind man, but I guess he missed the clay. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> it was a lot. So if you have not seen that video, it's everywhere on the internet. TMZ picked it up, Shade Room, all the above. Uh, very, very popular, famous people who are not affiliated with the church were talking and discussing it. It was the talk for 24 hours. And we asked Bria to write and we asked Bria to share her perspective. She was not the only one who shared her perspective. Jamar also wrote an article. Ali wrote an article as well. They're all phenomenal. But I wanted to bring Bria on because this question about pastoral celebrity and this question about the church culture as it is right now is so important for those of us who are specifically trying to make sure that we create space for Gen Z, not just to be a part, but to lead. So Bria, first of all, when you got the call to write, what came to your mind? What was the thing that leaped out at you that led you to make this particular angle um, on so many different things that you could have talked about in this um, in this situation? Yeah, I think the first thing that came to mind, I just automatically started thinking about all of the conversations I've had within the past maybe two 
two and a half years with friends and associates and people I've known throughout the years and throughout different Christian cultures and Christian Christian traditions about just the current state of the church and how they feel like they are being served and are serving and all of these different things. And I think that I really had a heart to communicate what those concerns were and the questions that we're asking as young people, as people who are trying to uh, figure out what it looks like to faithfully live out the gospel in this culture. And I believe that a lot of people in different generations, it's not just older people, it's not just, you know, uh, boomers and Gen Xers. And I don't want to just, I don't want to just, you know, uh, harp on them. I think it's a lot of people across generational lines, across racial lines and ethnic lines, um, who have the wrong idea about, about the concerns that we are, that we're really focusing on and what just feels like is unheard and is unspoken to and, um, is dismissed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to talk about that. You know, it seemed like when you were writing that you were writing from a deep embodied place, like right. you felt this in your body. Yeah, absolutely. Would you watch the video and I, because this is something that I really want people to understand why we talk about things like this and why we discuss things like this at the witness and why we will continue to, did you, did you watch the video and in any way, shape, or form, if you heard about the video or watched it, how did it make you feel in your body? Listen, I saw it come across my timeline, my Twitter timeline, six different times before mm-hmm. I interacted with it. Because the thing is, we know that this is not the first time that something like this has gone viral with the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of at a point where I'm like, I don't even, I don't even want to interact with things like this anymore. It is not doing anything good to my spirit. Uh, but it, it started coming across. It started crossing the boundaries that I normally see videos like that cross. Normally, it kind of stays within the niche black cultural church right. lines. Um, but I was seeing, I was seeing other, you know, news news sites pick it up and and everything. So I was like, okay, let me let me look at what this thing is talking about. Still hadn't even seen a preview. I got ten seconds in. And hmm. that first hack that Oof. he Oof. did in his, I tip, my body tensed up so much. Hmm. I almost cried. Honestly, I was like, I know exactly where he's going with this. And this is gross. And this is disgusting. And I don't want to see the rest of this. So I got 10 seconds in and clicked out. Um, and I eventually did have to watch the entire video when I um, was asked to write the article. But before even before I got through that whole video just like I felt I just I wanted to cry for the brother that was up there even if he was his biological brother I wanted to cry for him because what has to happen what is going through your mind when you know you are about to be humiliated in front of all Mm -hmm. of and Hmm. I'm just thinking about what I don't know like when you when we have when we say that we have the power to exercise our own agency in in these spaces and just in Christian spaces in general, whether it's church, whether it's parachurch ministry, it I think it, it for me sometimes in thinking thinking back on my own experiences 
and how there were times where I felt manipulated into doing things mm. and feeling like if I were going, if I said no to this certain thing that this certain leader was asking me to do, that I was saying no to God and I was saying no to Oof. mission mm. and I was saying no to representing the gospel for, you know, the lost and the unchurched or whatever. And I felt all of those feelings come rushing back when oh um, I watched the video and it just, it took me a minute. I had to breathe through it. It took me a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like as you breathed through it and figured out what you were going to say, what you did powerfully and eloquently in this piece, you said to the pastors of the TikTok generation, talk about what social media and screens have contributed to a spectacle like this. Hmm. Oh, yes. I just, wow, I've had this conversation so many times. I think that we are in, I don't know whether to call it an era or just a time or a season or a epoch. I don't know, whatever you want to call mm, it. Come on. <laughs> um, where every everybody wants to consume things in bite-sized pieces. I, I mean, even last night I was telling some people, I was like, hey, I know that we don't have the, the the time where people want to really dig in and dig deep on things is just very, it's very hard to come by because right. people want to, they, they don't have the stamina to to sit and, and, and dive deep into things. You want the one minute and the two, the two minute videos. You want the, you want the, the nice quotes that you can transpose yeah. on the IG graphics and, and is easily shareable on your stories. You want the, uh, you may, maybe you'll, you want the 280 character Twitter thread, not 280 characters. It's more than that, but you, you'll, you'll, you're willing to, to read through a Twitter thread, but you don't yeah. really want to dive deep into things. And so I think that when we're, when spiritual leaders, whether they're pastors, whether they're youth pastors, whether they're, um, ministers, elders, or whatever, are thinking about those things and are like, okay, how can I get these people to pay attention to me with the uh, with the current attention span that we have? Right. And so I think that there's that aspect, but then there's also the aspect of how a lot of ministries are um, geared around the marketplace it's hard because I, I have empathy for want for wanting to speak to the younger generation and to meet us where we're at and to um, speak our language. But and it's not even just the younger generation, like you're saying, just the social media generation in general and um, what it looks like to put your message out there in this on these kinds of platforms. Yeah, I have empathy for wanting to use those tools to your greatest to your greatest advantage to to share the message of the gospel and to make the character of Jesus known but i think that there's a temptation to uh put your ego in the in the mm. center instead of Jesus in the center and instead of the gospel message in the center and um you know you you start performing you start you start performing for the likes and the clicks and the shares and especially now that you have ministries that are geared to geared around books and they're geared around you know all these different products and marketable pieces there's there's just this temptation to put your personality and your ego and your performance in the center and 
that's that's so much more harmful than it is helpful that I think that's that's kind of part of my heart behind the piece because you want uh, I think a lot of people un, un incorrectly assume that the that the you know cool hype teenagers and 20 year olds want to see how cool and hype you can be they want to mm-hmm. see how mm-hmm. um how up with the times you can be with the latest you know like i said in the piece like the, with the latest forces and you know bread 11s and plaid yeah. suits they, they want to see how uh that you think that we want to see um how up with the latest trends we can be and so much so that we're not paying attention to what you're actually saying and that's just not the case like we are paying attention and we are asking questions and we are having doubts and we are interrogating what you are putting in front of us and trying to figure out what is true and what is not yeah yeah you you know i actually want to read this portion that you referenced (laughs) because i think it's so important for people to hear so many good just how good it is um you said and i quote sometimes the quote-unquote cool church aesthetics Aesthetic becomes smoke and mirrors that distract churchgoers from the decontextualized scripture passages coming from the pulpit. There's only so much that the best musicians and a charismatic preacher wearing the latest forces can do for a young person seeking answers to their deep theological wrestlings. There are only so many vapid spiritual platitudes, yikes, that church leaders can give before we start to see through the ruse. And then you go on to say to the pastors of the TikTok generation, and I want to read these first two questions very, I think they're extremely important. Where do we go when we hunger for a gospel that is undebased by hot takes and corny cliches? Who is Jesus when you are not parading him around as the mascot for consumerism? Now, yikes. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's never just one thing. Hmm. It's never just one act. It's never just about one person. It's about layers of what has been baked into the church over time. Talk about the consumerism and how this feels for you when you engage with church. Because I'm not asking you to speak on behalf of all Gen Z or all black young Black women. I think that's foolish. I want to know how does it feel for you when you get inundated with consumerism in the church? when the industrial church complex hits you when you walk through the door, what does that feel like? Because as a pastor, I'm trying to avoid that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I, for me, it feels like rather than being a sheep that is needing to be shepherded, it feels like I'm a product. And it feels like you are trying, you're not, not only are you trying to sell me something, but you are trying to, and not to use the language of chattel slavery, but in, in a, in a way you are trying to sell me and it, it feels like I'm, it, sometimes it feels like you are, um, placing placing me in the window of a shop like you know how you go in into a shopping center and you're just window shopping and you're placing these um these products in the window so that people can so that people can um have the motivation to come in and check out what you're trying to do and what you're trying to sell and it feels like that's what you're doing to me you're wanting you're just Mm. you're just wanting me to window shop so that you can come in so that you can come in and sell me more things and it is 
I'll say this. So, of course, I, I think we've all seen, of course, we've seen the the Black History, the Black Church documentary that yes. Henry Louis Gates did on PBS. And I remember, this is probably the thing that stuck out to me the most out of that entire documentary, when Reverend William Barber of the, Pe- the Poor People's Campaign was talking about when I think it was switching over from the civil rights movement and Martin Luther King talking about Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and switching over into the prosperity gospel portion of it. Mm-hmm. And he said this line that has not left my mind. He said, how do we go from let freedom ring to bling bling? And I think <laughs> that that really, that that's, that's really, that kind of just encompasses everything that I feel when it comes to being marketed to and being and and hearing the Jesus that I know um, that I have come to know um, being literally like I said paraded around like a mascot for consumerism. So you're telling me that G- that Jesus's greatest desire, Jesus's greatest dreams and uh, will for my life is to get a Tesla. Like I like Teslas, mm. I like mansions, I like you know Converses. That's that's not even. I said converses, Air Force Ones, you know, whatever. I don't wear all of that stuff. But I, you know, I like all of those things too. But when it comes to the gospel message, there has got to be something that that um, grabs hold of me a little bit deeper than that. And I think as I'm thinking about myself as a young Black woman living under a violent empire that does not want me to survive, that does not want my family to survive, that doesn't want um, my friends and the people I work with to survive. I need to know what Jesus has to say about that. Yeah. And I I think that hmm. for me, it's frustrating to see the gospel that has so much power to help us survive and thrive under conditions that doesn't want us to. And that has so much power to to give us more intimacy with Jesus and all of in all of these different conditions that are just trying to destroy us and are trying to tear us apart. It feels frustrating that we would focus on hmm. the material and yeah. what we can consume and what we can get from God and and what um treating God like our genie in a bottle. Um, to get whatever we want. Yeah, it's a big thing. That sort of gets to what I want to talk more about in depth. So you're talking about sort of a consumeristic church treating Jesus as a consumer product. I think you're getting to it in terms of the message of the prosperity gospel dressed up however you want to do it. But I'm curious about like what characterizes these kinds of churches Right. So we have this incident with Mike Todd. I mean, how do you differentiate or is there even a way to resist in this sort of online digital age, the lure, the temptation? Um, Is there a necessity for some level of like entertainment and showmanship? When does it cross a line for you between being engaging and being spectacle? Just unpack a little bit of what that looks good, like. Good question. Oh, absolutely. That That is a great question. For me, I think it goes from trying to be, trying to creatively get your message across and trying to creatively uh, 
share what you what the spirit has has had on your heart from you know your time and your study time in the word it crosses the line from creatively trying to figure out how to do that to spectacle when the focus seems to be more on the illustration or the skit mm. or the prop than the message that is tr- that you're trying right. to get across from it. Mm. And so I'll say there are times where I think a really extra illustration is great and necessary especially when you're talking to visual. I mean, we're all visual, visual people. That's kind of what humanity is. And so if we're visual people, sometimes we need, sometimes words aren't enough. Sometimes we need you to show us what, what you mean. Sometimes we need the video. Sometimes we need the props. Sometimes we need the two minute skit. Um, And so I think that, of course, I don't, I don't ever have a problem with that, especially as a communicator. I believe that, good communicators find creative ways to um, use communicative tools to get their message across, of course. But I think it becomes obvious when you're, when you're, when your own ego and your own um, personality is the center of what Mm -hmm. you are trying to do. And so what I have seen and experienced happen a lot is a a pastor or a leader, whoever, is trying to perform an illustration or uh, use a prop, whatever it is, to make the point. And normally the point is one of those things that you would write down in your notebook and and put on a graphic and transcribe on the Instagram graphic and all that good stuff. Normally that's the point that they're trying to get to. It's the alliteration. It's the, you know, whatever. And Guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Look. (laughs) I am not judging. I love it. Look, you, but, know you know I'm alliterate. I'm going a, to a try to... Bria, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, stop alliterating, boy. Listen, <laughs> I don't need your Peter Piper, Piper, Piper pickle. <laughs> like, leave that out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you, you do what you got to do. But I think that... Um, Sometimes in the in the middle of from going from the illustration to the point in the middle, what gets lost is okay. How do we how do we get to this point? How did you how did you pull this pull this particular point out of the scripture passage that you're that you're trying to to right, uh, right. to talk about and to communicate? And so I, I think I said this in the article that you might have read it out loud. It, let me tell you, it hits different when other people read your stuff out loud because I've read it. <laughs> I don't know how many times. I think I read it. <laughs> I read it all the way through every time somebody DM'd me or uh, commented on it or whatever. But when somebody reads your words out loud, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wrote that. Wow. It was yeah. fire. You wrote it. <laughs> Thank you. So I think that w- one of the things, and I think this is my, this was my heart behind saying this is sometimes I'm paraphrasing because of course I don't, I don't remember what I wrote, but um, sometimes the greatest illustrations become smoke and mirrors for the yes. decontextualized passages yes. that are coming from yes. the pulpit. Yeah. And I think that sometimes people don't think we're going to pick up on that because we're not, mm. because they assume that we're not studying the word for ourselves. but it's like, mm. I don't know about that, Pastor. Can I ask some questions? Of course, you can't ask you know questions during the sermon, but I, you know, you start questioning. Okay, how do we get from point A to point 
D. Right. Um, but you, but the, but the illustration is kind of get is kind of becoming the distraction. From, yeah. You know right. what I mean. Hey folks, Jamar Tisby here, and I am so grateful for your support, your listening, your engagement with the Pass the Mic podcast. I'm wondering if this podcast has been helpful to you, challenging, encouraging, if you would consider becoming a paid subscriber to the podcast for as little as $1 an episode. You can help keep this good work going. Just visit patreon.com slash pass the mic. That's patreon.com slash pass the mic. We appreciate you for your support. This episode is brought to you in part by Baker Publishing Group. Most of us don't want to spend our lives being time wasters, space takers, binge watchers, or game players. We want to be difference makers. But maybe we make changing the world a little more complex than it really is. Making a difference isn't measured by a viral post or a name on a building. It isn't determined by a following or a fan base. Want to make a difference? Focus on just one person at a time. That's the secret of the way of Jesus. In his newest book, One at a Time, Kyle Eidelman invites us to better understand the surprising habits of Jesus and the power of small things done with great love. He challenges true disciples to fully commit to the unexpected Jesus way of changing the world by loving people one at a time. Baker Bookhouse is pleased to partner with Christianity Today to offer a special discount on your copy of One at a Time. Visit bakerbookhouse.com by February 28th, 2022 and use promo code 1-2022. That's O-N-E-2022 to receive 40% off with free shipping. You know, I think I, I also have been thinking about this very important principle of being self-aware, pastors reading the room. And I think one of the things that is important in that regard is recognizing in a time of lack and in a time of a global pandemic, how much money are we spending on the spectacle hmm. and how much hmm. money are we spending on the illustration? Hmm. You know, what's the investment in that? I, and I think it's good for us to invest, but- if if it's going to take large resources and an outside organization, I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm just saying we have to ask some questions. And I think we also have to train the people around us to ask hard questions of us and say, how are you investing the resources that people are giving? Because here's what I recognize. I recognize people are giving their, their some people are giving their least and their last. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Some people yeah. are giving their stimulus check. Yeah. Some yes. people are given, you know, something that that's they look at the hundred dollars or the fifty dollars that they give on a consistent basis, and they look at it in the context of need. Those are diapers. Those are that's that's food. That's mm-hmm. bread. That's milk. That's eggs. Yeah. And so when you think about that, you want to be careful about saying I blew your eggs money and your milk money mm. on a really really dope light. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, just that feels weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's not to say you can't buy lights. I'm just saying, you you know what I'm saying? It just feels weird. Like, it feels extremely consumeristic. It's 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 the new big building campaign, right? Like, so so in eras past, there was a lot of critique about how much money we spent on physical church buildings. Maybe the newer 
manifestation of that is your production studio, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Which again, yeah. we're not against quality. It's 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 when these these things are things. It's 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 our attitude towards them, yeah. right? For for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, yeah. right? So it's not mm-hmm. money itself. It's not the camera. It's not the light. It's the love of these things and the pursuit of these things. But one last thing you brought up, Bria, that I thought was so critical is the impact of this. So mm-hmm. I'll read you again. You're writing. You said, um, our rejection of the institutional church has led some saints to believe we've given up on Jesus. We're not leaving Jesus. We're leaving misogyny, masquerading as mission, capitalism, claiming to be calling, and narcissism naming itself fresh revelation. I just thought that was so critical because you're talking about the effect of this on all kinds of people, but especially younger people who see through it. I mean, Y'all have mastered this. You pioneered this. You know what's going on. But then it, it seems like you're expressing that there's a longing for something deeper, richer, fuller, not just entertainment, but illumination mm-hmm. when it comes to God's word. And if that's not occurring in the church, then people aren't going to stick around for what is happening. Is is yeah. is that the spirit of, of what you're saying? And yes. that happened in, in your life as well? Absolutely. And I think that one of the things that I've had to clarify, you know, with um, some of my community is that my my goal with that article was not to dig into the weeds of ecclesiology. I know better mm. than to tell pastors how to do their job. You know, you know, pastors with the people who have been studying this for years and decades. I know better than, the step, mm-hmm. than to, to step over that boundary and to say, okay, here's how I think you should do your job. I'm just, you know, a 23 year old with a communication studies degree and a lot of books. Um, that wasn't my goal was to kind of dig into the weeds there. My goal was to kind of synthesize all these conversations I'm having with um, people of my generation and others um, about what our experience has been. And like you said, the impact of watching where our resources go, watching where our tithes yeah. and our offering and our special, the, the special pastor's offering goes and listening to what you are trying to illuminate from our sacred text. We have questions and we have doubts. And where do we, where's the space for those? Like I said, I think I might've said this in the article. I can't remember. Um, but where is the space for our, for the off limits questions and the Mm. ones that make you uncomfortable and the ones that you might not have the answer to, uh, but we can, you know, wrestle through the text together and um, see what will be illuminated there and grow and, and grow in the, in the midst of that. We may not come to a a conclusion and a concrete um, answer, but I think that what kind of the impact of, focusing on the the sparks and the billboard TVs TV screens and this the big um, material kind of things the impact of focusing on that rather than focusing on um, the 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 content of what the spirit is trying to illuminate through what we call our sacred text the Bible is just devastating. Yeah, just to know that there that you would rather use my resources to make sure that your production is up to par so that when that when you go viral 
it, everything yeah. looks good and everything looks, you know, um, put together and um, all the production quality will be there. And like you said, we're not against um, quality, but what are you illuminating with the quality? Mm-hmm. Um, what mm-hmm. are you illuminating with the best cameras and the best microphones that money can buy? Yes. Cool. Um, wow. And, and I, yeah, th- there's, there's so much that we could touch on, but Bria, this has been tremendous. I think this article is actually one of the most important articles that we publish in the witness in recent years. And so I wow. want to thank you for your contribution and everyone go check out this article. It's in the show notes. Bria, we got to bring you back to talk about this Definitely. more. And we so, Absolutely. so appreciate you um, for your work at The Witness and your emerging yes. voice, y'all. I'm, I'm telling y'all, just wait. Just wait. Bria about to blow up in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> Bria, we appreciate you. Thank you for appreciate joining you, us on sis. Pastor Mike. Thank you guys so much. This was wonderful.